Well, hey, let's pray and get our hearts ready for God's word. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are so faithful to speak to us. It's amazing to me that the most powerful, incredible God on the planet, the only God, you want to have a relationship with us as humans and you speak to us and you relate to us. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' awesome name, let me hear another loud amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, today we're starting a brand new series that is called Declaring War. Somebody say Declaring War. I mean, what a perfect title on this nice, brisk, cold day with your cup of coffee in hand, you know. Uh, It's hard to, you know, fight a war with a cup of coffee in your hand, isn't it, Jonathan? Jonathan's like, nope, I'm fighting just well. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever shined a light on something in your life before? And in the moment, it didn't really seem like a very big deal. And you decided, hey, I'm going to put that on my list called I'll get to that later. Anybody ever done that before? I'm going to get to that later. Now, maybe for you, it seemed like a really small ask from God or something that seemed really insignificant. But how many know that every little thing that God asks of us amounts up to something really great? And every time you look at somebody and you think their life is so amazing, it's because they said yes to God on a lot of little small things. Do we have any sailors in the house? Anybody ever sailed a boat before? Anybody? No? Come on. Where are people that move here from California and Florida and, you know, uh, no sailors in the house? Well, that's okay. Let me tell you, if, if you know anything about sailing, um, when sailing, you have to navigate your your navigation plan to precision. It has to be perfect. Uh, if you travel just one degree off course, for every 60 miles that you sail, you're going to be off target by one mile. They say that if you're going to be sailing around the equator and you're just one degree off, you'll find yourself 500 nautical miles off your intended target. See, going off course in our life, just one degree can make a massive impact on where we end up over long periods of time. And I think that it's time for us to declare war on some of these things in our life and take some of those things on our list that is like, I'll get to that later. I think we should stop saying, I'll get to that later and maybe start saying, you know what, God, I'm going to say yes to you now and I'm going to yield to you now. Whatever you're asking of me, God, I am willing if we were to give a subtitle to this series, I, w- I would title it Enough is Enough, Pastor. Yeah. Well, today we're going to declare war on indifference. Somebody say indifference. Yeah. Webster defines indifference as having no particular interest or sympathy in something. It could mean to just have a lack of concern or perhaps even just undecided. You haven't taken enough energy to really think through how you think about this thing. Well, how does indifference apply to our relationship with God and how we relate to the world as believers? Well, here's what it looks like. It looks like this. See, when we have a neutral or indifferent attitude towards God or his people, it's almost as if our relationship with God is on hold. It's not on stop. It's not on go. It's in neutral. How many know that when something is stagnant for a long time, it becomes a perfect breeding ground for unhealth? 
I mean, anybody want to drink stagnant water? <laughs> no, thank you. Here in Texas, mosquitoes are like, yes, bring the stagnant water. But we hate mosquitoes, right? We don't like mosquitoes. See, being indifferent towards God is a dangerous place for our heart to be as believers. We set ourselves up for a stagnant relationship with him. And I'm pretty sure I know most of you uh, at at least a decent level to know enough about you that you don't desire a stagnant relationship with the Lord. But today, that seems to be what we're talking about. So what is the Lord speaking to our hearts? In Scripture, indifference is also associated with apathy, laziness, lukewarmness. Proverbs 18 and 9 says, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Wow. Thanks, writer of this proverb. What's he saying to us? He's saying, hey, for those of us who are slack and are working towards doing what is right for the Lord, towards doing what is right for our fellow man, when we slack in that area, it shows that we belong to a family of destruction. How many want to belong to a family of destruction? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be associated with destruction. So... Today, we're going to be declaring war on indifference. We're going to be taking a look at Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. Let's go ahead and read this passage to see what we can learn. Here, Luke is recording a conversation between Jesus and an accusing Jewish expert of the law. And so here's what it says. It says, and behold, a certain legal expert stood up to test him. Him is Jesus. He said this, teacher, what must I do so that I will inherit eternal life? Now, here we notice that this legal expert is a Jewish man. He's a legal expert of the law. This is inferring that he knows the law of God really, really well. And here he's talking to Jesus, and he's recognizing the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus, and he calls him a teacher. And if you know anything about Pharisees, whenever they stand up to communicate to Jesus or to question Jesus, they're often doing it to prove him as a false teacher, to prove him as somebody who does not follow their law. Well, let's continue to read and see how Jesus responds to this man's question of how do I inherit eternal life? Well, and Jesus said to him, well, what is written in your law? How do you you read it? And the legal expert answered Jesus and said, you shall love the Lord your God from all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, well, you've answered correctly. Just go do that and you'll live. But the man wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? See, this question revealed the motive of this man. His motive was only to love some and not all. And the problem here is this man's indifference towards God in this type of a question. So to answer this question, Jesus decides to tell the man a story. And the story goes like this. A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who both stripped him and beat him. After inflicting blows on him, they went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by coincidence, a certain priest, who was also a Jewish priest, was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. And in the same way, also a Levite, another Jew, comes and passes him down, and when he came, he passed him on the opposite side. 
So here we have this Jewish man that's coming down, down along the road. He gets beat up. He's left for dead. And two other Jewish men who of all type of people who knew God's law to love and care for their neighbor, who should have cared for this man, they did not. And Jesus continues a story and says this, but a certain Samaritan who was traveling came up to this man who was beat up. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, quick background on the relationship between Samaritans and Jews. Jews considered Samaritans to be half-breeds. They considered them, Scripture says, they called them dogs. Now, why do they call them half-breeds? Why do they consider them as dogs? Well, Samaritans were formerly Jewish people, and they intermarried with other Gentiles. And so because of their intermarrying with other Gentiles, they took on the customs of these other cultures, and they took on the religious practices and, and the gods of these other cultures. And so Jews saw them as dogs, as people who walked away from God, people who were disobedient to God. And so this man, we noticed that this man was indifferent towards this group of people. And God chose of all people to show someone who knows how to love others. He chose this Samaritan. Isn't that quite interesting? Of all people, he chose the man that the religious folks saw as way less than. And by the way, intermarrying in the Bible was not about uh, race. God is not racist. He is, he is not a racist. Intermarrying in the Bible was about people mixing with other cultures and taking on their cultural norms that were against God's laws. So let's keep reading here. Let's see what happens. The Samaritan came up and bandaged his wounds, poured on olive oil and wine. And he put the man on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever you spend in addition, I will repay when I return. Wow. What a great example of loving your neighbor. Now, remember, the question that started this entire dialogue was this Jewish man asking Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus, in a, in a really incredible fashion, tells him this story, and then he causes the man to answer his own question. He asks the man this in verse 36. He says, Mr. Jew, sir, which of these three do you suppose became a neighbor of the man who fell among the robbers? Was it the priest? Was it the Levite? Or was it the Samaritan? Well, the legal expert looked and he said, the one who showed mercy to him. And Jesus said to the man, you go and do likewise. It's interesting to note that this Jewish person had a really hard time saying it was the Samaritan because Jesus called him a Samaritan. He had a hard time admitting from within himself. So he says, the one who had shown him mercy Jesus was telling the man, Samaritans are your neighbors and you are their neighbors. What is the bottom line story for Jesus here as we look at this? The bottom line of this parable for all of us today is the evidence of our salvation and our love for God will be expressed not only in our love for God, but also in our love for others. So specifically, not just other people in general, that would be easy but people that we perceive as our enemy. 
people that we perceive as our opposite, people that we perceive as very different from us. Hence, we're talking today about declaring war on indifference. The first thing I notice in this story today is the man's indifference towards God's direction. See, this man knew the law. He knew what God required from him. He knew what God expected from him, yet he was indifferent towards the things of God. I mean, he actually... He, as a Jewish man, he participated in the Jewish law. There's no doubt. He participated in many religious practices, but he was like a man who had one foot in and one foot out because he wanted to do part of what God was directing him to do, but he didn't want to do all of what God was asking him to do. His, his love was conditional towards God and no doubt his love was also conditional towards his neighbor. This man wanted to be able to select and choose who he loved and who he cared for. It's a little quiet in the house today. He was indifferent towards God's direction. So today, I believe that scripture is reading our hearts today. And the question for us today that the scriptures is challenging us to ask is, are we indifferent towards God's direction over our life? And I'm not just talking about gigantic sin things or addictions, and it can be those things, but it can also be just obedience towards God's word. That is also sin as well, when we're not obedient towards God's word. When we think of the word sin, we don't, don't always put it in the category of morality and a Christian ethic. It's also about being obedient to whatever God asks of us. And some of us are just trying to do enough to get by in our relationship with God. And scripture exposes an indifferent heart in us. We're not on stop we're not on go. We're just in neutral. We're just getting by. Seeing a different heart toward the Lord sounds like this. Of course I love you, God. Sure. But I'm not, I don't need to do more than what's expected of me, God. I mean, I see some of the people that call themselves Christians and they're just, they're just way out there. I, I don't want to be all in like they are. I just, I, I'm going to just do my thing, me and you. You, you, you know me anyways, God. You, you know I'm not all that religious anyways. You, you come to me as I am. Yeah, I'm good with you, right, Lord? Don't ask me to sell out. I mean, I come to church, God. I pray. I, I read my Bible. I pray sometimes. Isn't that enough? And you know what God says to that? No. He didn't say, love, love me with some of your heart, some of your mind. He said, love me with all of your mind, all of our heart. So the message is clear to us as it is clear to this man that God is not calling us into an indifferent relationship with him. He wants us to be very clear about our love for him and be very clear to others about our love for him and how we walk in obedience to him. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 42 and 20, it says this, you see many things, you come to church, you hear, you know the word, you know what I desire, but you don't observe them. Your ears are open, but you don't hear them. 
This man was no doubt a walking example of this prophet Isaiah's words. No doubt he had seen, he had knew the word, he had heard God's word, but he was not observing it. He was not living it out. And I don't say any of these things to make anybody feel bad today. That's not my job today to make anyone feel bad. But my job today is to preach God's word and let his word go to work in your heart. How many of you know that when there's indifference towards God in our heart and we're lacking obedience, it makes for a very miserable life. And God loves you too much to hold back a challenge to you about your indifference towards him. The question for us today is, have we responded when God gives us clear direction? Have we been obedient? Or are we just like that ship who is off course just a degree? We're doing a lot of things right. We got a boat. We packed it well. We got gas. We got all the stuff. We got the crew. The sail is up. But we are just, we're not on course perfectly. When we're following God with all of our heart rather than part of our heart, it's always best for us. How many know that to be true? Today we're declaring war on indifference. The first thing we notice in the story, we notice this man's indifference towards God's direction. The next thing we notice is this man's indifference towards the disillusion. When somebody sees the sinfulness of humanity, they can easily lose hope in God. They lose hope in people. They become disillusioned. They become cynical. They can become combative, negative, and outright hostile. And there's no doubt as we look at the relationship and the history of the Samaritans and the Jews that there was a lot of hostility in their history. And no doubt the Samaritans had disobeyed God. And in the eyes of this Jewish man, the Samaritans were disillusioned and they were lost. And as we think through the story I can't help but think Jesus confronted this this Jewish man's attitude towards those he thought were disillusioned and lost. No doubt he confronted this man's bad attitude towards the Samaritan, his lack of love. I would perhaps suggest even this man's racism towards the Samaritans. And can you believe the audacity of Jesus to pick the person that this man thought was, was, was not a God follower, had missed the mark, who was, who was off and disillusioned about the things of God, and God picked that person to teach him a lesson? Yeah. What? God can bring people into your life that are nothing like you to teach you some lessons. Jesus is not just calling out this Jewish man for not helping his fellow Jew, but for his attitude, his indifference towards disillusioned people. See, it's really easy to love people who are like us, isn't it not? I mean, just, it's just proven if we, if we look at your social habits, you tend to hang out, we do, it's just a natural human thing, we tend to hang out with people who are like us, people who think like us, people who like the same foods of us, people who have the same backgrounds as us. It's easy to love people who are like us, people that, that vote like us, they have the same faith as us, they have the same moral and sexual Christian ethic as us. It's just so easy to do all those things. But I believe Jesus is asking something different from us today. Matthew 5, says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Love people who are different from you. Not everyone who is different from you, by the way, is your enemy. Some of us need to like disarm ourselves and stop trying to fight everybody. By the way, scripture actually says that our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual authorities in the heavenly realms. So I think we ought to kind of take our arms down and pick up some love and learn how to love some people. Let's personalize this story this morning. The question for us today is who is our Samaritans? Who do you consider disillusioned? And perhaps maybe they are, but perhaps they're not. Perhaps they're not as disillusioned as you think they are. We know the way to God in the scripture is to love people who are different. So love God and love people who are different. That's how we are an example of him. Maybe your Samaritan is another stream of Christianity that you disagree with. You disagree with their doctrine. You disagree with their behavior. You disagree with their values. Maybe it's another ethnic group as it was for this Jew. Maybe you struggle with blanket statements over other cultures and you have a spirit of racism in you. Maybe it's another political party. By the way, we've had a massive voting week behind us and there are more to come and we've got another presidential uh, and just a couple years uh, election coming up. And at the Grace Place, There's no room for indifference towards your political other, your political opponent, your political enemy. There's no space for not loving everybody. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like their values, but you do have to love them. Jesus didn't agree with everything that the Samaritans did. In fact, it was against his law. It was against his will. It was against his purposes. But what did Jesus command this Jewish man to do? Go out and love Jesus didn't tolerate this Jew's attitude towards the Samaritan. He won't tolerate our attitudes towards the people whom we deem as a Samaritan. Maybe we're disillusioned by some of the people who have hurt us. Sometimes when we're wounded by people, wounded by a man, we cast a blanket statement on all men. Maybe when we're wounded by a woman, We cast a blanket against all women and we deem them as other, as a Samaritan, unworthy of loving well because they're incapable, just like the person who hurt me. The challenge for us today is Jesus is confronting our attitudes towards our Samaritans today. Scripture is declaring war on our indifference today towards those we see as disillusion, as off. And he's challenging us to disarm ourselves and pick up love and love people who are different. We're talking about declaring war on indifference. We notice this man's indifference towards God's direction. We notice his indifference towards the disillusion. And now, lastly, we notice his indifference towards the destitute. This Jewish man had an indifferent attitude towards the down and out, this person who was beat up and was unable to care for himself. We notice in verse 31 and 32 that, that this man, Scripture describes that he was, he was left for dead. Commentators describe that, uh, that in the Jewish law, priests were supposed to avoid impurity from a corpse. So we notice in the story it was a priest that passed by this man that was beat up and left for dead. 
and priests took it to the extreme, and they even believed that if their, even their own shadow passed by a corpse, they would make them impure. And when they became impure, they had to go through all of their ritual ceremonies to become pure again because they had become impure by touching this corpse. Perhaps race was not the only reason why this Jewish person passed by this individual. By all indications, it is clear that this Jewish man did not want to get any mess on him. He didn't want to get any of that impurity on him. He didn't want to become ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. That's a fun word to say. Being in contact with the destitute for this Pharisee would have cost him too much. It was too much of a hassle. Have you ever been there before? I got to say, this one stings me. I can't tell you how many times there's been an opportunity for me to love my neighbor. But I was going to get too much mess on me. It was going to be too much of a hassle. It was going to cost me too much to care. Too much time, too much money, perhaps humility. Proverbs 21 and 13 says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor. Now, as I see this word poor here, I don't think of just financially poor, but I think of somebody who's poor in faith, poor in family, poor in finances, of course, poor in friends, people to care, poor in health. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Wow. God is saying, when the shoe is on the other foot, don't expect anybody to come helping you. We're talking about declaring war on indifference today. Today, we're going to make our own takeaway. You don't have a takeaway. If you've pulled out your notes, there's no takeaway. But I want you, if you're not filling out your notes on your tablet, I want you to grab your phone out, and I want you to pull out a note, and I want you to answer a question. See, it's kind of interesting as we're talking about declaring war on difference, but we've got to ask ourselves the question, are we indifferent towards God's direction? Are we indifferent towards the Samaritans, those we think are disillusioned? Are we indifferent towards the destitute, the people who need help? You know, it's interesting. Scripture actually doesn't tell us how this man responded to Jesus' story. But there's no doubt that Jesus did not leave this man hanging. Remember, the original question that was asked was, how can I inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus tells the man a story, and then he tells the man, go and do likewise. Jesus was saying, go and do the same. I want you, too, to inherit eternal life. What is he saying to you today? Here's the question I want you to answer. How might the Holy Spirit want to transform you today in light of this passage? What are you indifferent towards? So I'm actually going to invite the Holy, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the worship team to play and the Holy Spirit to move on our hearts today. And the two questions we're asking is, how does the Holy Spirit want to transform me today? And, and how might I be indifferent today? What is my indifferent attitudes? Well, it'll be three questions, actually. And then what can I do to take action on this?